In 2020, to the delight of young fans everywhere, Nia Dennis took to the mat at her UCLA gymnastics competition and a viral sensation was about to be born. Beyonce is booming in the background and Nia performs a floor routine that she has dedicated to Black excellence and Black identity, a nod to her taking up space gloriously in a traditionally white sport. Nia grew up watching her role models like Dominique Dawes, Gabby Douglas, and Simone Biles. And she grew up watching those role models as they fought back against coaches and critics who commented on their hair and their appearance. We know that Black girls in particular are subjected to more public critique about their appearance. And in fact, recent Dove research shows us that Black girls on average miss a week of school a year due to the trauma of hair discrimination and hair dissatisfaction. But Nia's routine going viral isn't where her story ends. In fact, she now has a vision for herself to continue to proudly own her identity and speak out about the issues that she cares about, like race-based hair discrimination. She understands with the notoriety also comes the gift and the opportunity of being a role model to little girls who now look to her to learn more about their own strength, growth, and self-acceptance. I'm Jess Wiener, and on this episode of Let's Change Beauty, I'm excited to have with me Nia Dennis, who's not just the future of gymnastics, she's the future, period. Let's dig in. I'm so excited to meet you and to go on this journey and this conversation with you. And I want to start with your journey as a gymnast because I was reading that you started as young as four. Mm -hmm. How at four years old do you know this is the sport you want to go into? (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. I can't wait to be here as well. And honestly, my gymnastics journey started when I was three years old on the playground, (laughs) flipping around, doing things kind of unsafely. And my parents were like, okay, we need to get her. Let's put her in a class. Yeah. Like some mad, some coaching, some direction. Like she's just doing way too much over here. Like unsafely, but just a natural inclination. Yes, definitely. And so after the playground incidents, my mom started me in classes and I was just having a blast and fell in love ever since. And did you watch gymnastics as a little girl? After I started gymnastics, you yeah. know, like I, four years old, like we don't, we don't really know. No, <laughs> We're like right. watching cartoons still. Like right. I definitely wasn't gym- watching gymnastics at that time. But like after I started and started to learn more about the sport, I was definitely into it. And that's amazing. And then as you're learning the sport and you're seeing people in the sport, was there a role model that you had that you really oh, modeled yeah. your life after or looked up to? Totally. Um, Dominique Dawes was a huge one for yes! me. Like <laughs> love her. She's so iconic. And I just loved how she tumbled and just yes. really presented herself with poise, such poise. And I really loved that. And I wanted to do that. I yep. actually wanted to be like her and try to do a back and forth tumbling pass. But she was incredible. She was, that's her thing. That's yes. her thing. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to leave that to the front. You found your thing. <laughs> I found my thing. That's her thing. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Dominique Dawes, Gabby Douglas, of yes. course, um, Simone Biles as well. But luckily, like I know Gabby and Simone. We, wow. The gymnastics world is so small. So we all kind of go way back and like, We've had to do camps together. So I know all of them and they're all just so such great people. Like, especially being some of the only few black girls in the group and just like me being the youngest, having those two to look up to in my group was just like amazing and just refreshing. And like, I felt like I wasn't alone. Yeah. And very fortunate. Yeah. I'm so happy you mentioned Dominique Dawes because I was going to say that's somebody I grew up and loved watching, but I'm significantly older. and um, But I have never thought I'd have a chance to say this out loud, but I also wanted to do gymnastics when I was little. I think lots of girls do. 
Um, but I remember growing up and watching Mary Lou Retton. Mm-hmm. And like that was my era of gymnastics and watching these powerhouse young powerhouses. women compete. And I was always really, I think when I think about gymnastics, Nia, I think about it as an intense sport because even though it's a team sport, you're competing solo most right. of the time, right? Mm-hmm. And I've always watched the intensity of which competitors perform. Right. But I also started thinking about it, and I would love your take on this, also as an intense sport for scrutiny on appearance, much like Mm -hmm. ice skating, right? These are places that you can get docked points for your appearance. Totally. I did feel a lot of pressure to kind of change my hairstyle or just kind of change my appearance to want to fit in with my teammates, fit in with the culture of the sport and kind of the hairstyles that we were doing in gymnastics that were really trendy and cute and fashionable, but my natural hair texture couldn't always do those hairstyles or I could do them, but it wouldn't look the same. And there's a lot of pressure coming from all avenues, um, from yourself, from your parents, from your coaches, from the sport. It can affect you negatively. Um, I've experienced some negative effects of verbal abuse and just being told like, you know, like you're fat, like constantly you're, you're overweight, you know, you need to you're not good enough. It's just not good enough, you know? And that and just, this is from coaches or... Coaches. And my parents were very um, supportive, but what they thought was the best for me wasn't always the best for me. But I'm not mad at them anymore, yeah. you know? Um, I had to forgive them because they didn't know. Right. They don't know anything about the sport and they just wanted me to be successful. And that's what people think you need to be successful exactly. in that space. That's what they think. And it's not always that. Everybody's different, you know? You have to find yeah. what works best for you. And that's actually what I learned most in college. Really? Is like being a part of a big team like that. And we all had such bold personalities. Like it's hard to kind of figure out where you fit in. Yeah. And it's like, you just got to do what works best for you. And yeah. you're going to thrive and support your sisters and they're going to support you. And that's how you're going to be your best self. I remember watching as a young girl, I struggled with body image and eating disorders. And so yeah. when I was watching a sport like gymnastics or, or ice skating, but specifically gymnastics, I remember the conversation around body type coming up all the time because all even time. as I mentioned, like Mary Lou Retton as an example, yeah. I remember them picking her body apart. She's right? so strong. S- strong, but then that would always equal fat, fat or right. And so, and then Dominique too had that criticism. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been a lot there, but I'm curious from an appearance perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, you had mentioned that some folks had talked about your hair, talked yeah. about your skin. Can we like dive into that a yeah, little bit and so, what that sounds like as a young girl? Yeah, it was very young. It was always during practice. It wasn't necessarily during competition. Um, when I was young, I didn't even have social media. So right. I wasn't able to look at like any comments from social media or from competitions in the past. But all of my comments came from practice. This is when people felt comfortable. I felt comfortable, you know. I would get comments on a day-to-day, just like, why does your hair stick up like that? Or why is it Afro? Can I touch it? Can I play with it? Can we put stuff in it to make it do funky things? That was kind of funny to other people, but not me. It was definitely hard to have people commenting on my hair every single day and just asking why. Um, so I did feel a lot of pressure to kind of fit in and make my hairstyle like the rest of my teammates. Um, I remember even having to get perms for competitions because it wasn't acceptable to have the curls that I was having and the braid styles that I was having growing up just so that I could have a protective hairstyle and to help my hair grow. I remember my coaches telling me I had to change my hair just for a, a specific competition. It was really frustrating because I spent time, energy, money on my hair and I felt great 
with my hair done like that and then just have to change it just for a competition, just so I can look the part was really hard and detrimental to my self-esteem. They would also talk about my my skin and like, why does the chalk show up so much on your skin? And it's like, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm like, so then it forced me to kind of wish my hair was different sure, and wish that my skin was a little bit lighter so it could blend in with the chalk. And it's right. like, that's not me, you know, I had to learn that way down the line. And you didn't have an advocate around you or with you to kind of interrupt that kind of conversation. Exactly. I was the only, one of the only black girls in my group. And when I wasn't the only one, I was the oldest one. So then it was like, I was taking it. Yeah. I was just taking it, taking it to the chin from everybody. And, you know, in the sport of gymnastics, you're kind of silenced a Mm -hmm. lot. Um, So I kind of took that to home as well. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel like I could go talk to my parents about the things that I was experiencing um, at the gym because I know that they were they were taking things that were happening at the gym very seriously as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was just well, a little again, bit of Well, again, that's the pressure, right? Yeah, You've got pressure. this pressure to be perfect, this pressure as a young performer right. to get it right, to be whatever that version of right is, and yet you're young and you're still developing yeah. your own voice. Puberty. Puberty like, and everything. everything. But I think about, you know, historically too, you know, there is a massive discrepancy in how we treat Black athletes. I think more so than any other yeah. kind of athlete, right? We've mm-hmm. got more scrutiny for looks, for hair, for body. I mean, and then if you even look recently, if we look at Serena, mm-hmm. if we look at Naomi, if you look at Simone, you look at this additional extra scrutiny where it, it just gets so intense. And I'm yeah. curious for you as you were navigating mm-hmm. a love of this sport, it sounds like, but mm-hmm. a reckoning of where you fit into it, how did you navigate being one of the only black gymnasts in your field in that time in a particularly white dominated sport. It was honestly so tough. I feel yeah. like I was pretty lost my entire childhood. I felt like it needed to happen that way, honestly. Um I felt like I needed to go through all of the critiques, criticism just to get to where I'm at now in my life. Um but like navigating it while I was a kid, it was just like I was just taking it all, you know, and just kind of burying all my feelings cuz I didn't know what else to do. There yeah. was no other way to really release or really find help, I guess. And maybe not have a framework for what was really going on. Because it gets normalized, doesn't it? it's normal at this point. And it's like, this is just regular stuff over 20 years. And then ultimately, when you're performing in gymnastics, when you're doing this sport, Mm -hmm. you love it? I do. I love performing. I love being on the competition floor. I just love being a part of entertainment in a way, and also telling a story with movement and telling a story with my body because I know that I can communicate better like that than with my mouth. (laughs) I feel more comfortable in that aspect. And I just feel like movement is so beautiful. I feel like it's art, you know, and I think a lot of sport is art. Just the the extremes that we can do with our bodies is really crazy to me. But I actually haven't thought about it in that way. I think you beautifully just said about telling the story with your body, but that's exactly right, especially in your floor routines Mm -hmm. and especially as you are, you know, in that performance space, that grace, that strength, that dignity, all of that really comes through. Absolutely. And honestly, I didn't even learn till college that you can perform on every single event, not just the floor exercise where there's music. It's a performance everywhere and just the way you do your gymnastics. And that's kind of where you let your authenticity shine through. It's so interesting because if you think about the intensity of elite competitive, mm-hmm. you know, being a, an elite competitive athlete, right. you've got this pressure to assimilate and be like the athletes before you. Right. And yet you are on this journey as a young person trying to figure out who you are outside of this sport. Right. So how has 
your self-expression that's come through with gymnastics? How has it given you a chance to talk about the things that you're passionate about or brought you mm-hmm. to care about things that you that you maybe didn't think about before? Oh my goodness. It's just giving me so much empowerment. Like I feel so empowered and I feel confident in myself and just my story now and like who I am as a person, because just everything that I've been through was for a reason. And I learned my story and I learned myself throughout that whole journey. And so now I just feel like easy. I can talk about anything. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think too, what you're describing is the when we grow up with bumps and 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 also you grew up with a tremendous amount of bias. I yeah. mean, and I think that while I don't wish that on anybody, I think anyone that I've spoken to and has gone through it, you know, you said I needed to have that to form who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it grows our compassion, doesn't it, for it the does. next generation? It really does. I feel like, I mean, I consider myself an empath. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm very compassionate for all people, just anybody around me, but definitely for the ones that look like me and who are coming up after me, I definitely want to, I aspire to inspire. So any, anything mm. that I can do to make it better for the rest of them, that's what I'm going to do. I love that you aspire to inspire. Yes, ma'am. Well, okay. you do it. I think you do it quite naturally. And I was going to say, I think as your career has grown and as I um, look at the the fervor and the excitement around you as a performer and a gymnast, a lot of young girls mm-hmm. are looking up to you. And I imagine a, young, yeah. a lot of young black girls going into gymnastics or wanting yes. to be in that sport, seeing you. What does it feel like to occupy a role model space for young people? How does that feel for you knowing that maybe when you were going through it, didn't have as many as you would have liked? It feels crazy. It feels surreal. It yeah. feels like a dream come true. Um, I think about it often, actually. Like, yeah. I think back to when I was a kid and I was like, man, that's so crazy. I looked up to all those people, Dominique Dawes, Gabby Douglas, and now those same girls are looking up to me. And it's like, you know, like that's insane. It feels amazing. I feel like all my hard work has definitely been paying off and I just want to keep inspiring positively. Yeah. I want to dive in a little bit to some of the beauty appearance related Mm -hmm. conversations, especially around hair, because, you know, it's something I know you're also passionate talking to young people about. Um, loving, accepting, owning natural hair. What would you say to a young girl now coming into this sport who might have already had somebody comment about her hair? I mean, we've certainly seen it. We saw it with Gabby. We see it with Simone. I remember Dominique facing that kind of Mm -hmm. pressure, not knowing where to put it as a young girl listening, but Mm -hmm. I remember the scrutiny. Right. So what would you say uh, to a young girl now about the opportunity to own her full appearance, including her beautiful hair? Honestly, as hard as it is, you have to just ignore it. Like it's going to come up many, many times. It's not going to be one time. It's going to be time and time again. You just have to be confident in yourself and know that your hair is beautiful. That's who you are. It makes up who you are as an individual, but also it's so versatile. Sister, you can do anything with your hair. Okay. Yes. Don't get it twisted. You can be straight, curly. Like it took me a long time to understand that. I used to get perms. I used to get relaxers and it was so damaging to my hair. Now, as I am older and I look back at it, it was so damaging to my hair to get those perms, but I was doing it just so I could feel accepted in my group and just so I could receive less comments every single day about my hair. And I remember feeling so excited going into practice and being in front of my teammates. So I was excited to not have comments about my hair that day. And as I've gotten older, I've learned to love my hair. It was a long journey to loving myself in general and to loving the cards that I was dealt. But I just love the versatility of my hair. I love that it can be curly. I love that I can wear it straight, blown out in an afro, or I can do braids or locks. I can just do so many different things. And, you know, I've learned to embrace them. Will you tie together for me 
how hair creates your also your identity and the way yes. that you've learned to um, embrace that identity as a black woman. I definitely think hair, for me, hair is reminiscent of like a tree and mm. it's like, it's roots, you know, and it's rooted. It keeps me rooted. It keeps me rooted back to my culture, back to my family, my family tree, my ancestors, everything. And it's just a slow process. You know, you have to give it love. You have to care for it and nurture it just like you do with plants and trees and everything. It's the same process with hair. And I mm. feel like we really just take that time to dedicate to our hair because yeah. that's just a part of our culture. And it's just like so beautiful. It's always growing and it always helps us grow, I think. You know, we do these incredible workshops with Dove called My Hair, My Crown. And one of our key uh, self-esteem educators, Dre, when I've watched her do that workshop in front of young girls, mm -hmm. when they identify or imagine the crown, it's yes. like their whole being lights up. Totally. Talk to me about what uh, having wearing a crown and that sort of majestic imagery <laughs> brings up for you. For me, I just feel like my best self. I feel like we are all royalty personally, mm -hmm. but you know, you have to find it on your own time. And when you, for us, it's our hair, you know, our hair is our crown. And when we put that crown on and own it, mm -hmm. we know that there's nothing that's going to be able to stop us because in the past, there'd be little comments about our hair that would be bringing us down and stopping yeah. us, holding us back from our truest potential or, you know, feeling confident in ourselves. We would often change it to fit in, change mm -hmm. it to be accepted, yep. change it to not get fired, you know? Yes. So I think that's why, because we can finally be ourselves. We can finally be seen. And I think with um, legislation like the Crown Act, yeah. there's now this additional protective layer, yes. right? Legislation that we're trying to pass. It's passed in 15 states and one U.S. territory so far. That's amazing. 35 more to go. 35 to go. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's legislation to protect race-based hair discrimination. Totally. So everything you just mentioned, yeah. both educational opportunities. I mean, how many stories have we seen lately right. of young athletes who've been told to cut their locks or they can't compete? Seriously, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Or walking graduation, mm -hmm. right? So it's important that we take it to the next level. Why is it important for you that we pass the Crown Act? It is important for me so that all young Black women can know that they are beautiful. And there isn't just one standard of beauty. There's so many different standards of beauty. And to see that representation is so important because we feel alone oftentimes because there's not a lot of people representing us and being doing it confidently and doing it at the highest levels and being successful there are but you know it's not so commonly shown and we need that we just need it when i see people in my sport young girls in my sport or public figures wearing their natural hair it feels so empowering it makes me feel proud it makes me feel so happy to see black women rocking their natural hair because it is beautiful we were told that our hair our natural hair was not beautiful our entire lives growing up we were told it wasn't accepted it wasn't professional so to see young girls rocking it now and not caring what the world has to say about it it's a breath of fresh air it makes me feel inspired as well to continue to rock my natural hair to switch my styles up with whatever I'm feeling and express myself through my hair and through my personality so that representation is beautiful and I just want to continue to see more of it and I hope that I can continue to be a role model to young girls to continue to rock their natural hair, to rock their natural skin, to be them and their most authentic self. So you came on my radar, like many people's radars, <laughs> with your floor routine to Beyonce. Yes, ma'am. Beyonce. <laughs> Which was electric. Thank it was you. so incredible. And, um, I, you know, it was like beauty, strength, grace, like sass. It was all amazing, it. right? It Thank was all you. of it. But you had intentionality. I did. In what you wanted to tell. And so when we go back to what you said about 
telling a story with your body. What was Mm -hmm. the story you were telling us in that routine? Oh my goodness. So every year I used to go to Battle of the Bands in New Orleans. All my family's in the South and Battle of the Bands was so inspiring to me. I loved the culture, the energy of just the bands going back and forth, battling it out with Mm -hmm. the music. But I really loved the majorette dancers in the front that were just killing it to Mm -hmm. every beat and just intensity was there. And I was like, wow, this is so inspiring as a kid watching it. I loved it. And as I grew up through my college experience, I started to find myself more and Mm. figure out who I was. And I was like, I need to bring some of myself, some of my spice to this competition floor. So let's bring some of that New Orleans flavor, (laughs) that New Orleans flavor, baby. Okay. And I wanted to do all majorettes theme. And it was just so ironic. Beyonce dropped her homecoming album Mm -hmm. at the same time. That was all majorettes, battle of the bands type. So I was like, this is perfect. I felt like it was a sign and it was just all in alignment. What did it feel like when you were done? (laughs) <laughs> and you felt the electricity in oh the room. Oh my gosh. It was insane. The Beyonce routine was actually on my 21st birthday. So wow. I was literally just having the time of my life. You're celebrating everything. Everything. <laughs> I'm like, it's my birthday. Like you can, I don't know if you can hear like in the video, the audience is like, happy birthday. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, it's crazy. Like the, the audience was just so into it. My mom was there because mm. she lives in my family lives in Dallas, so they're out of state. So she was able That's to special. come. I know. It was so great. She was in the front row just bawling her eyes out. I don't think I caught it because I couldn't take my eyes off of you <laughs> because I think it was like you were just embodying a moment, though, too. And I felt the message. And now I get to meet you and hear that <laughs> message. But you could feel it even if you didn't know you. You could just watch it a mile away. Thank you. That means so much. Yeah, really. So I wanted to um, talk about a quote that you gave in an interview with— um, her campus. Mm -hmm. And I was so struck by this as we, you know, have the show called Let's Change Beauty. We're working to pass the Crown Act. We want young girls to recognize the power and beauty in themselves and all these capacities. And, you know, words have huge impact. And the way people describe us often become our inner narrative and our inner voices. And you said, um, quote, I was never described as elegant or beautiful. I was always the powerhouse or the muscle house, but I bring grace to the floor as well. I worked hard so that one day people would see me for me and accept me for me. They wouldn't look at me differently because of my skin color, but because of my talent. Gosh, I'm getting me chills. Like, dang, I said that. You did say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh you did gosh. say that. What does yeah. that bring up as you as you hear me read that the words back to you? Uh, it just it feels like I'm on my journey all over again. I'm just like finding myself and just getting to the light and just feeling refreshed and feeling re-energized and feeling empowered. All the Mm. things I've described in the past, you know, it feels great to finally be myself and be accepted for myself. And the message that I've always liked to tell is to be authentic to who you are, because that's what's going to resonate with people. That's what's going to connect with people being yourself. You know, there's only one you (laughs) in this entire world. So why don't you just own that, you know, be your best self. And even as you get described or we, those that are listening, get described in a certain way, that's usually attributed from somebody else's perception of you. And it seems like you're in this period of redefining. Mm -hmm. You're on a new adventure in your life post-graduation. So who is Nia now? How do you see her now? Oh my goodness. I see her as a strong woman. I see her as a woman that has gone through a lot, but Mm -hmm. is not going to let any of that hold her back and just kind of empower her to keep pushing forward. Um, I see a hardworking woman that's Mm -hmm. dedicated, determined, disciplined, and 
a goal goal oriented woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> a businesswoman, <laughs> yes, an actor, and like a dancer. Like I see a lot of things. Limitless. I see limitless. Mm. Yeah. If you could give advice to younger Nia, what age would Nia have needed you most? Definitely eleven to twelve. Really time period. What was happening at eleven to twelve? Do you remember? Yes, I was just getting like really good, and everybody was like, "You need to try out for the Olympics." I'm like, "Okay." Like I wasn't even thinking about the Olympics at that time. I was still just loving gymnastics, just to love it. And elite gymnastics is so much different than mm. just JO gymnastics and college gymnastics. What does JO mean? JO is Junior Olympics, okay. so that's just Got levels it. basically four through ten. Um, they were telling me like, you were, you should go for the Olympics. And I'm like, okay. Like, they're like, you're just so good. So I'm like, I don't know. My parents were like, do you want to do it? I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah. Like, but that didn't, I didn't fully understand that that meant homeschool, 40 oh, wow. hour training, training 40 hours a week and kind of sacrificing so much. So I definitely think that was just a huge shift yeah. in, in my life. Yeah. That was just so hard for me to kind of deal with. And yeah. that was also an only child for 10 years. Oh, wow. And so I was always alone, you know, always by myself. And I felt like I was always just trying to figure everything out by myself. Right. And so what do you think, if you could go back to that 11 or 12 year old Nia, what would you want her to know now? Or what would you say to her? I would say to her, just keep going. It gets better. (laughs) It really does. Yeah. (laughs) Because there's so many dark days where I was like, I just can't do this. Like, I feel like it's I, a lot of pressure. So many just so much pressure and just so many times where you just want to quit and you yeah. just feel like you can't get through it. But I would always tell myself, actually, as a kid, like, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it one day. And when I actually didn't make it to the Olympics, I seriously wanted to quit. And when I tore my Achilles, I was like, everything I sacrificed, mm. everything my parents sacrificed, just down the drain and... I really just didn't want to do gymnastics at all. But then I gained the courage to mm. achieve another goal that I had within gymnastics. I had to get back to my younger self during that time period and remember why I love gymnastics, remember what it was that I wanted to do within the sport and just keep reminding myself it's going to get better and it will be worth it. Have you ever had a moment when you were younger and competing that you like, you know, did this incredible routine or you really landed something But then, especially as you got more well-known, like that people then, you had more critics afterwards or you had people picking things apart, especially perhaps about your appearance. Um, Yes. Yes and no. I didn't receive too much from outside sources, like on social media or anything in terms of how well I did or how poor I did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, not necessarily comments on my appearance either. I feel like I have been very lucky in that sense in terms of um, social media. Yeah. It was only recently, at, like my last 14 that had gone viral, I received more comments about race or things like that. But Really? Yeah. How do you navigate that? Then here you have this beautiful moment. It goes viral. Mm-hmm. People are clearly resonating with yeah. it. And I know so many people who are in the public eye who could get a hundred amazing comments, but you get that one or that two and you focus on that. Right. Uh, I was going to say just to focus on the positive, that's what I would try to do. I would obviously see the negative comments, but it's like there, I was flooded with so much positivity Mm. that I really couldn't see it for that long. I couldn't see it for that long. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not focused on it anyways. I'm just here focused on the love that I'm receiving because it was coming from so 
so many people. It was so amazing. I might have been one of those people. Yay! I probably like liked, loved, parted. Um, <laughs> triple liked. <laughs> triple liked for sure or shared. I just remember sharing that yeah. clip widely. Um, what is your hope for the future of representation for Black girls and Black women in gymnastics? Oh my goodness. I hope we take over. I hope we are just not afraid to come into the sport and I hope we just have fun and just do what we know how to do because we're amazing gymnasts and oftentimes we feel like we're not because there's not a lot of us or because of one or two comments from coaches so I feel like to have just a lot more black women in the in the gym with you is just going to make you feel better so I hope we just turn it up (laughs) by having a platform like gymnastics Mm -hmm. and having eyes on you right you know, whether you want to or not, you become a role model mm-hmm. for people. But it's I'm always interested in the inner journey for people who are in the public eye like that because right. you still need room to grow. Yeah, exactly. I actually just started therapy again. So I'm on my mental health oh, journey that's right so now. Good. Um, outside of gymnastics. Yeah. Because even in gymnastics, mental health was not is not very talk it's not talked about, no. it's not prioritized really. It's more it's becoming more and more um in college and in CAA yeah. level, which is great. But obviously we would like to see this worldwide and, and at every level, J O elite. That's huge. But I also think about the conversations around sports and mental health that we've had yeah. recently. I mean, mm-hmm. again, Serena, Naomi, mm-hmm. Simone. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did you make of of the decisions for Simone in the Olympics? And- yeah, I think it was great. I definitely think I mean, she was in a position where it's like, no matter what she does, she's going to get negativity coming thrown her way. And I just applaud her for having the courage to just do what was best for her because we, like I said, it's, they don't prioritize our mental health. Mm -hmm. And it's like, gymnastics is so hard. It's so dangerous. Like one wrong, wrong move can like really have life, change your life, serious lasting effects on your body. And I already have lasting effects on my body, you know? So I'm just, I'm I'm thankful that she was able to do that because it definitely opened the door for a lot of other people. And I think for coaches, especially because, Mm. you know, a lot of times they are are our enablers and they don't know a lot of times. But now seeing that somebody at the very highest level, you know, the greatest of all time too, you know, is like, had to take that step down. I feel like it's going to help other coaches understand. I think those elite, incredible women mm-hmm. and athletes choosing themselves sent a, an incredible message to young girls. I agree. About the power to say no to save yourself. Yes. To protect and preserve yourself. And Absolutely. we also know that mental health affects all of us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I think specifically to watch somebody at the top of their sport choose themselves over pleasing somebody else. Totally. Was super empowering because yeah. it was like, wow. I can maybe do that one day. Yes, and you are. Well, I want to go back to this quote because you say for me what I think is at the core of my mission in life, which is to help people feel seen, heard, and understood. Mm -hmm. Because for me too, as a little girl, that was something that I felt was lacking. And I was looking for that in other people, other Mm -hmm. experiences, and, you know, um, praise from the outside. And I think when we talk about hair discrimination, when we talk about bias, when we talk about any of the negative beauty standards that we put on women or girls that make us shrink in that way. You say something, which is, I want people to see me for me and to accept me for me. So my last question to you is, what does it feel like to be seen? What does that look like to be when you're fully seen? What I imagine to be fully seen is somebody that understands me. 
I'm often misunderstood. Mm. I have gotten that many times in my life. Um, RBF. <laughs> they say, okay, you know, like I'm often misunderstood and to finally be accepted and know and mm. to have people know that there's depth to me, there's layers and people want to get to know about it. It's like, it's exciting. You know, I feel like it's just also new for me, honestly. It's yeah. just feeling like refreshing. It feels like a new page. It feels like the next chapter. It just feels good. I feel like I'm in a good place and I feel like I'm ready to attack the next thing. Yeah. I think in fully being seen, there's freedom. Yes. Freedom. I think that's right? perfect. Yes. Freedom to also change your mind and grow and expand. And so that list that maybe as a little girl started off as gymnast now has so many other layers to it, right? Absolutely. I loved having this conversation with you. you. I can't wait to see what happens next for you in the world. And thank you for being who you are and um, really just looking forward to watching you continue to soar. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving me the space to be seen and heard and to tell my story a little bit. Thanks for listening to Let's Change Beauty, a podcast powered by the Dove Self-Esteem Project. To get more involved in helping us pass the Crown Act, you can go to dove.com slash pass the crown to email your senator and to sign the petition to help make race-based hair discrimination illegal nationwide. Thanks so much for being here. And don't forget to write a review wherever you're hearing my voice. It really helps us out.